Hey, I want to read to you today from 1 Timothy chapter 2. A little passage of scripture that Paul writes to his young apprentice, reminding that young apprentice, Timothy, what is the core center of the Christian faith. Listen in from 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 3 through 5. There is one God and one mediator who can reconcile God and humanity, the man Jesus Christ. He gave his life to purchase freedom for everyone. This is the message God gave to the world at just the right time. And I have been chosen as a preacher and apostle to teach the Gentiles, the nations, this message about faith and truth. I'm not exaggerating, just telling the truth. I love that last line, just telling the truth. We find ourselves in the second week of our fall worship series here at Shepherd. It's called the This We Believe Worship Series. We are charting our way through the six chief parts of a book from a long time ago called Luther's Small Catechism. It was intended for heads of households, moms and dads, to teach themselves and their children, even their grandchildren, what are the fundamentals of the Christian life. What does it mean to believe as a Christian? What is essentially absolutely necessary? Last week, we began by studying the law, the Ten Commandments, the fundamental values that really shape and guide most every religion in the world, but which are codified in the Christian faith in Exodus chapter 20 and known, called by name, the Ten Commandments. We were reminded last week that these commandments give evidence to us that no matter how hard we try, there's always a gap, there's always a deficiency, there's always a need for God to extend to us the olive branch of divine peace, of grace, of forgiveness. This week, we go a step further. Now that we have seen the depths of our need for God, where our deficiencies and gaps are lying, now we turn into what is called the creed or confession of faith. What does it mean for us to walk as those who believe this God who gave the law is also the God who redeems us from the law and its burden and punishment through Jesus Christ, so that we can walk each and every day in the power of God's Holy Spirit and know that we are not just walking aimlessly in this world, but we are walking toward a destination of eternity with God. The Apostles' Creed is divided up into three sections. Simply put, I believe in God the Father Almighty, I believe in Jesus Christ His Son, and I believe in the Holy Spirit. I want to take those three sections and I want to underline or highlight the essential thrust of each of those sections. Hopefully, if we do this right, you will benefit from a deeper faith in God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and you'll have a stronger anchor when those deficiencies or gaps are noticed in your life. Let's start with that phrase, I believe in God the Father Almighty. This is the way Luther, in the small catechism, defines that simple statement of faith in God the Father Almighty. He writes, I believe that God has made me and all creatures, that he has given me my body and soul, eyes, ears, and all my members, my reason and all my senses, and still takes care of them. He also gives me clothing and shoes, food and drink, house and home wife and children, land, animals, and all I have. 
He richly and daily provides me with all that I need to support this body and life. He defends me against all danger and guards and protects me from all evil. All this he does out of fatherly divine goodness and mercy, without any merit or worthiness in me. For all this it is my duty to thank and praise, serve and obey him. The fundamental thrust of the first article of the creed regarding God the Father Almighty is summed up in a single word, provision. In this article, we see God as the provider of creation, everything that is real around us, of our own physical, spiritual, moral, emotional life, that God is not only the provider of those things initially, but he is also the provider for all the things it takes in order to sustain this body and life. We live in a world now, as you know, where that provision is easily, quickly questioned. Our young ones in so many schools, both public and private, are taught to believe that that this world somehow is partially, at least, accidental. Let me give you some uh, little poetic things to keep in mind as we consider this particular part of the This We Believe series. Let me say these few things. First of all, antagonize anything accidental. If you hear, if steals on your ear, enters into your tympanic membrane, anything that even equates to accidental reality, accidental existence, I'd love you to antagonize that, to call that into question, to say, wait a second, it sounds like you're saying this is just some accidental aspect of life. Instead, be bold. Be bold to say, I believe in God the Father Almighty, and there is, because he exists, nothing that is accidental in this world. I want you to eviscerate everything evolutionary. How about that? Eviscerate everything evolutionary. When you hear about some progression of evolution, of of increasing diversity in reality, I want you to stand up and stand into that assertion and say, no, 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 no. We as Christians don't believe in evolution. We don't believe in evolutionary process that in any way is detached from the provision of the provider, capital P, the creator of heaven and earth, the God, Father Almighty, that I believe in. You know, we live in a cancel culture. We cancel a lot of things all the time. Maybe you've canceled a a Netflix subscription or some other social media account. But here's the thing that I want to challenge you to cancel. I want you to cancel karma or kismet, depending on what part of the world you're living in. I want you to cancel those things that say, you know, it's some Um, formless, ambiguous way that the forces of good and evil just kind of happen in this world and and karma happens and and fate is, well, fate is a faulty faulty way of doing logic. I, I would like you to fan away that faulty logic of faith along with canceling karma and kismet, eviscerating everything evolutionary, antagonizing anything accidental. I want you to do all of that because we believe 
that there is a God, the Father Almighty, who created this world with purpose. And everything that happens in this world happens with his foreknowledge. And with his foresight, everything that happens in this world is not outside of his will, but is, in fact, purposeful. And then I would finally ask you, would you throw away every theology that replaces the personality of our creator with the fallacy of philosophy? Man, lots, lots of alliteration here. Do not miss this. This is classic, classic Seidler preaching. I want you to make sure that the personality of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, is maintained by the way that you adhere to him as your personal, your personal creator and sustainer. All right, ready to make the, make the turn here. Let's go on to the second piece. It brings us, by the way, to an understanding of what it means to say, I believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of God. This is the way that Luther explained this understanding, this faith in Jesus Christ. I believe that Jesus Christ, true God, begotten of the Father from eternity, and also true man, born of the Virgin Mary, is my Lord who has redeemed me, a lost and condemned person, purchased and won me from all sins, from death and from the power of the devil, not with gold or silver, but with his holy, precious blood and with his innocent suffering and death, that I may be his own and live under him in his kingdom and serve him in everlasting righteousness, innocence, blessedness, just as he is risen from the dead, lives and reigns to all eternity. Last week, I remind you, we studied the Ten Commandments, and we came to understand that we are separated from God, that we have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We cannot extract ourselves from that sinful condition that has stymied our relationship with God. Jesus Christ is the salvation. He is the salvation of this second part of the Apostles' Creed. He is the mirror of God's provision creatively in the first article. Now he is God's provision spiritually, deeply spiritually. If last week was the Ten Commandments, this week is our reckoning that belief in the Lord Jesus Christ as the only way to return to the Father, to find spiritual worthiness in the sight of God is absolutely essential. And it's not just that we get the forgiveness of sins so that our shame or our guilt is taken away now, but also that salvation avails to the end of time. Because what the Lord Jesus Christ does is qualifies us to enter into our heavenly home and to live with a hope that, as Peter says, cannot fade or spoil or perish, that is kept by God for us until the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, the second article of the creed is the essentially Christian part of the creed, but it's also tethered to the bookends, the first and the third article that we're studying this week. Creation groans, Paul will write in Romans chapter 8. Creation groans, longing for the redemption. The redemption of the sons and daughters of God. Jesus Christ is our redemption, and therefore it is essential for us 
to put our hope in him. I won't give you any more alliteration. I'll spare you from that. But let's go on now to the third article because it is the daily walk that that third article has in view. This is what Luther writes. I believe that I cannot, by my own reason or strength, believe in Jesus Christ my Lord or come to him. But the Holy Spirit has kept me by the gospel, enlightened me with his gifts, sanctified and kept me in this true faith, in the same way he calls, gathers, enlightens, and sanctifies the whole Christian church on earth and keeps it with Jesus Christ in the one true faith. In this Christian church, he daily and richly forgives all my sins and the sins of all believers. On the last day, he will raise me and all the dead and give eternal life to me and all believers in Christ. You know, the Holy Spirit is a shadowy figure in Scripture, not because he's spooky or scary or does anything untoward toward a human being that God has created and through Christ has redeemed. But the Holy Spirit is shadowy because he's not well known. How does he work? Where does he work? What does he look like? We've seen or at least overheard God talking in the Old Testament. We have seen pictured in the New Testament the Lord Jesus Christ. But this Holy Spirit, we are told, lives in us. He is salvation's provision at work in us right now. He's not out there, but he's in here. Again, quoting from Romans chapter 8, this is the Holy Spirit who intercedes to the throne of God's heaven. And when we can't formulate words to pray with, he just groans. Sometimes one of my favorite things to do in prayer is actually not to verbalize anything in prayer. It's just to groan. may sound odd. My kids, who worship with me, will oftentimes stand shoulder to shoulder with me in church, and while we're singing a hymn, I will stop singing, and I will just, mmm, 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 you know, essentially groaning. I do that because I just want to agree with the song, and so that's the way I do it. But I also do it as a reminder that even when I'm not using my human American English words, there is still a spirit of the risen Lord Jesus Christ that is working in me to speak with my Heavenly Father, to obtain from Him provision for my daily life, and to receive from Him salvation provision for my spiritual life. Our This We Believe series that we're in, this worship series that we're about for this fall here at Shepherd, challenges us to take stock of what it is that roots us into this spiritual ground called the Christian church, this life of faith we live. And as you think about what I've talked about today, Maybe you would share with me the words of the Apostles' Creed now and speak a word of faith, of great faith, in the face of an antagonistic, evolutionary, accidental world. Speak a word of faith by which we acknowledge there is something more beyond, and even more than that, someone more beyond who particularly has loved us with an unconditional love through our Lord Jesus Christ. Let's confess this faith through the words now of the Apostles' Creed. Let us say together, this we believe. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, 
who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen.